It's so, so good to be here. Thank you for having me here again. I came for the youth convention, and that was just a powerful event. That was like two or three years ago, and it was just amazing. So I'm truly, truly happy to be here. Um, that worship was so good. Like, I, I, I still feel the Holy Spirit right now. My heart is just pumping, um, and it's just confirming the feeling that I had uh, when I was on my way over here, I was boarding the plane and I was just being stirred up in the spirit and I couldn't understand what really was going on. Yesterday all day I was praying for this event and I was also praying for, uh, I don't know if you guys have heard, but the Freedom March. Uh, it's, a, it's a group that I partner with as well. And uh, it's, it's a group of people, uh, uh, overcomers from the LGBT lifestyle, we do three marches a year, and we proclaim the name of Jesus. We share testimonies and worship, and then we march around the city sharing that there is freedom in Jesus Christ, because it is true, and I am proof of that. I am proof that God just changed people, and the Lord was stirring me up, and today I feel that there's something special here in this room. There's something special here in this room. There are hearts that need this message I was boarding the plane and I was being stirred up as I was sitting down in my plane. I just started to speak in tongues. And, and I, I didn't know what was happening. Tears started to go down my eyes. I started crying. I, and I tried to speak in tongues as low as I could so I don't sound crazy in the plane. <laughs> I'm covering my mouth. I'm covering my eyes going like this. I'm like, Lord, what are you doing? <laughs> but I could, I could just feel a sense that God is going to change lives today, you know, and I am believing in that. And today is June 12th, 2022. Today is exactly six years from when everything happened. It was June 12th, 2016, where my life changed completely. And I want to take you guys on that journey of how my life led up to June 12, 2016, how I got there and why I got there. And you guys can put the first picture up. Um, that's me. You guys can laugh. It's okay. <laughs> These are all my phases of my, of my early life. But I was born and raised in church. I was born and raised in a house that was filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with the Word of God, filled with the truth. And I'm very grateful for that. But the thing was that at the age of five, I was feeling something. I was feeling a, a little confused. I was feeling and knowing that something was not right. Why was I attracted to boys? Nothing had happened to me at that age. But my life was just changing at an early age. And I couldn't really understand why. But I thank God that my parents were parents that spoke the word of God to me at an early age. Like it says in Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Even at the age of five, I knew who to call on. Even at the age of five, I would speak to Jesus and say, Lord, something is wrong with me. I don't know what's going on, but this is not right. And that's why parents 
at an early age, kids are listening. Kids are listening. Kids know. They know what's going into their ears. Train up your child in the word of God. That seed was planted into my life at a young age. And as I grew up, those feelings just kept on coming stronger and stronger. But I loved Jesus so much. I loved to worship that I pushed those feelings aside and I just went head on into church. I was a youth on fire for God. Loved worship, loved Jesus, but these feelings just kept on growing stronger and stronger. There was something that was missing in the church at this time. And it's something that is very urgent right now. The church was missing openness. The church was missing realness. The church was missing transparency. I couldn't be open to anyone at that time. Nobody was open with me. I was scared to share what my feelings were. If I heard about homosexuality, it would be during a message and it would be something scary. Something like you're going to go to hell and that's it. Church, this is still urgent today. We need to be open. We need to be transparent. We need to be real with our youth. They want realness right now. They don't want anything else. They want realness right now. And there's something else that is urgent right now in the past and in this church today. And that is true compassion. What compassion really, really is. I want to read Matthew 20, 29 through 34. It says, as Jesus and his disciples were leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed him. Two blind men were sitting by the roadside, and when they heard that Jesus was going by, they shouted, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. The crowd rebuked them and told them to be quiet, but they shouted all the louder. Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. Jesus stopped and called them. What do you want me to do for you, he asked. Lord, they answered, we want our sight. Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes. Immediately they received their sight and followed him. What is true compassion? And I was doing my research and I went into the definition of compassion. And compassion is sympathetic pity and concern for the sufferings or misfortunes of others. But I wanted to go deeper. I really wanted to understand what was God's compassion what is the compassion that we're lacking? Something's not working here. So I went deeper into the meanings of the words and the definition of compassion. Sympathy. Feelings of pity and sorrow for someone else's misfortune. And pity. The feeling of sorrow and compassion caused by the suffering and misfortunes of others. In other words, compassion isn't when I tell you, hey, come over here, I just want to help you. Compassion isn't saying, hey, just call me when you need me and we'll be just fine. Compassion means that we suffer together. What you feel, I feel. 
What you're going through, I have to go through. That is true compassion. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. We are one. We are family. And it's in the Bible. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 4. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Romans 12, 15. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. We can't just be there for each other. We need to care for each other. We need to love each other. And that is something that was lacking when I was growing up. Nobody felt the pain that I was going through. Nobody cared for me the way that I needed to be cared for. Nobody opened up to me the way that they should have opened up. I was scared. I was bottling everything up inside. Until I was 18 years old, a lot happened in my family. My parents divorced. And I said, Lord, all this is happening. You let all this happen. So you know what? I'm going to go ahead and live in a lifestyle that I've been wanting to live. I'm going to be me. And I went head on into the LGBT lifestyle when I was 18. I lived a life for about a year and a half. And in that year and a half, I was missing Jesus. I was missing worship. And I would pray to the Lord, even being in the lifestyle. And I said, Lord, I miss you. I missed being with you. I missed my connection with you. I want to try again. I want to change. I went back to church, gave my life to Christ again. Did all that I had to do. I worshiped. I prayed. I did my best. But a year after, I said, Lord, what's going on? I'm still the same. These temptations aren't going anywhere. These feelings aren't going anywhere. What's going on? And yet again, there was no compassion. There was no openness. Nobody was there for me. And I said, Lord, I tried, and I'm still the same. And yet again, I left and went head on into the lifestyle. But this time, even more than it was before. You can go on to picture number two. And in this picture, you just see a whole different angel. You see a narcissist. You see a drunk. You see a drug addict. Everything just came back worse than it was before. And years went by in this lifestyle. More alcohol. I never thought I would touch drugs. But the thing was, that even me being in the lifestyle, I would hear the voice that would say, Angel, you don't belong here. I would hear a voice that would follow me everywhere I go. Every time I entered a club, every time I entered a party, Angel, you don't belong here. I went to drugs. I went to anything that can make me happy, anything that can fill a void. I felt empty. I didn't feel love. I didn't feel anything real anymore. I felt like everything was fake. And six years went by. 2000 came around the corner. I was fed up with everything that was going on. 
But for some reason, I could just feel the Holy Spirit more and more. And I couldn't understand why I would have spiritual warfare in my room, even living the lifestyle. God would give me the authority to cast demons out, even in the lifestyle. I couldn't understand what was going on. I couldn't understand the call that God had on my life. And in 2016, I said, I'm done, Lord. I don't want to do this anymore. I miss you. I have everything that the world can give. I have it all. But I'm missing something. And I knew what I was missing. And I remember April 2016 came around. And I was breaking down. And I started praying. And I said, Lord, I'm tired. I don't want to do this anymore. I want to come back to you. I just don't know how. I don't know what to do. And as I was praying, I changed up my prayer. And I made this prayer that I call the dangerous prayer because I've heard it before. I said, okay, well, I'm going to try something here because obviously everything that I'm doing is not working. I can't do it in my own strength. And I said, Lord, allow me to go through whatever I need to go through for me to come back to you. Allow me to go through whatever I need to go through for me to come back to you. And I forgot about that prayer. I went head on, still living my life. And June 12, 2016 came. I was working that day. Left work early. I wasn't planning on going out that night. I went out the night before. I was hungover. But since I left work early, I decided to go and get a haircut. And guys, what happens when you get a haircut? You get home, you look yourself in the mirror, and you say, okay, I look good. <laughs> I can't not do anything tonight. <laughs> I need to do something. So I was starting to get, you know, these text messages. I had a friend from uh, New York in town. My best friend wanted to go out. And I said, okay, well, let's, let's just go out. That's fine. I got ready for that night. Went to a housewarming party. We all left and we made it to Pulse nightclub. Danced all night, drank all night. And they called last call. And I went to the bar, made sure I got my last drink. I came back into the dance floor. And at 2.02 a.m. was when everything changed. At 2.02 a.m. was when my life completely changed. I remember I came back into the main dance floor. I was chatting with the group that I was with. And out of nowhere, I hear a loud pop. Really loud next to my right ear. I remember hearing, an, uh, seeing an orange flash cross my face feeling heat, not knowing what it was. And seconds later, I just hear it fast, pop, 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 really fast. And my first thought was run. I remember I, I turned to my left. I ran about two or three steps, but instantly I started feeling hot taps behind my legs. I remember because of the force, I fell forward fell down to the floor, and in seconds, the club is in chaos. Everyone's running out the same door. People are jumping over each other, trampling over each other. At that moment, I tried to get back up, even though I knew I couldn't get back up. I was already shot. 
as I was getting back up, someone jumps over me, and I remember feeling a, a foot behind my left femur pushed down, and over the music and over the screams, I just hear a loud snap. I remember hear, uh, feeling the most excruciating pain that I've ever felt in my life, my femur being broken. I fell right back down. I couldn't do anything. I couldn't move, I couldn't run, I couldn't stand up. All I could do was cover my head as I was hearing the shots going on. Every time I lifted my head, I see bodies falling down one by one. People trying to escape through, the, through one door. A lady falls down next to me. She's in pain, she's yelling. I grab her hand and I tell her, it's gonna be okay, we're gonna be fine. And at this moment, I hear the shots going on outside, the shooters outside. I take that moment to look around the room and all I see is dead bodies all around. I couldn't believe what was going on at that moment. I remember I would pinch myself, I was hitting myself, telling myself, Angel, wake up from this. This is a nightmare, this is just a dream, wake up. This is not really happening, wake up, Angel. And I never woke up. The lady next to me was still in pain. I'm holding her hand. I'm telling her, it's going to be okay. We're going to be fine. Just calm down. I hear footsteps coming into the door. And I hear shots again. But this time it was different. It was slow. I'm hearing pop. Pop. And I hear them coming closer and closer. Now realizing that he's shooting everyone that's on the floor. He's making sure everyone's dead in that room. He's making sure that his job is done in this room. The lady next to me is still moving, is still yelling. And I'm telling her, you need to be quiet. Pretend you're dead and do not move. He's coming our way. And as I hear the shots coming closer and closer, I close my eyes. I stop breathing. I stop moving. I cover my head. And I say, Angel, just pretend you're dead. And at that moment, I remember hearing a loud pop, just like the first one, really loud next to my ear. And I opened my eyes, and I remember seeing the body of the lady jump up and down from the ground. I feel her hand let loose of my hand, and I see her eyes just shut slowly. I couldn't believe what was happening to me at that moment. I couldn't believe that someone just got murdered in front of my face. Someone that I was helping, someone that I was trying to comfort. And now in my head, I'm thinking, Angel, you're next. You're dying today. You're next. He's about to shoot you. And I can feel him behind me. I can feel that stare. Like that stare, when you know that someone's staring at you, but you don't want to look, I feel that right behind me. But the crazy thing was that it was like if time froze at that moment. Like if God was giving me the moment to make peace with him because I was about to die. And I remember I started praying in my head. I was still trying to pretend I was dead. I started praying in my head. I started asking for forgiveness. I started saying, Lord... I'm so sorry for what I have done in my life. I'm sorry that I've left your side. You never left my side. I decided to leave your side, but Lord, please forgive me and take me with you. Take me with you. 
Nothing was happening though. He was still behind me. Time was going by. And something just clicked. Something was changing. I could feel like there was spiritual warfare going on right on top of me. And I changed my prayer and I started prophesying over my life. In my head, I started praying and I started saying, Lord, I'm not leaving here dead today. I'm leaving here alive. You promised me that there was a purpose in my life that hasn't been fulfilled. So that means that I'm leaving here today alive. You promised my mom that her baby had purpose, that there was something big in his life that hasn't been fulfilled. That means that I'm leaving here alive. And at that moment, something was changing in that room. At that moment, I was able to understand that God has given you the power and the authority to change the atmosphere with your words in the room that you're walking into. A room that is dead, you speak into it. You speak his words into it. And I kept on prophesying over my life. And at the moment that I said amen in my head, I said amen. And right there I hear a loud shot. I remember feeling my body jump up and down from the floor. I remember feeling pain and heat in the midsection of my body. Now realizing that he shot me again on the ground. But the thing was that that prayer that I made, it was like if it gave me that strength to not yell, to not twitch, to not move, to not do anything while he was shooting me again. I just laid there like a baby. I stood still. I took the pain. It was like if God was just holding me at that moment. I see black And I think to myself, Angel, you're dead. That's it, you're dead. I hear footsteps walking away. I hear shots in the other room. And I open my eyes. And all I could do at that moment was just thank God. I was just thanking God at that moment. Thank you, Lord, that I'm here right now. Everyone around me was dead. And as I'm thanking God, I hear, I see lights coming in through the door. I hear whispers. I hear officers asking, who's alive? I remember I, I lift my hand real quick. And as low as I can, I tell them, I'm alive. Please get me out of here. The cop runs to me. I can't move. I can't, I, I can't walk. I, I don't feel my legs. He grabs me. He can't carry me. But he can drag me. He starts to run. He's dragging me. And at that moment, it's a mix of emotions, relief, scared, pain at the same time. Because now I'm being dragged over the glass that's on the floor. I feel the glass cutting up the wounds that I already had in my legs. But I'm yelling, run, get me out of here. And by the grace of God, I made it outside of that building across the street. And that's why I'm here today alive, sharing with you guys. And I actually wanted to share uh, picture number three, which was, that was the party that I was at right before going out that night. I was ready, ready to party. And I didn't know that the next morning I would look like this. Picture number four. I woke up, I couldn't feel my legs, I couldn't feel my hips. 
my shattered femur. They had to do an emergency surgery, uh, put metal on my hip. And that was when the true process started in my life. I was in the hospital for three weeks, discharged, and I started to recover. Gave my life to Jesus real quick. Real quick. <laughs> But I didn't know that the process, my spiritual process, was going to be harder than what I went through that night. I didn't know what it was to really deny your flesh every single day. I heard that verse all my life, but I didn't really know how it was to put it into practice for real. And I started going through it that year after the shooting. I was going to church again, giving my life to Jesus. They put me in the worship team. But I was struggling with these temptations. At the same time, I'm doing all these events with, um, with the nightclub. If you guys remember, I was the first interview that was live after the shooting. So after that interview, my name was all over the world. So as soon as I was discharged from the hospital, they wanted me everywhere. I started to walk with a walker, so they wanted to fly me to New York, to California. And I started to live this different life. The fame and the fortune that I wanted before now started coming my way, and I didn't understand why. You could put picture number five. Now my name was all over the internet, all over the world. I was being invited to all these events, being on the cover of magazines, being on People's Magazine, going on red carpets. I was hired um, with a speech company, getting paid really, really, really well to just speak for an hour, just what happened to me that night. And, but I was slowly lingering back into the lifestyle. I wasn't realizing that the enemy was using this fame and fortune to get me back to where he wanted me. Making all the money that I wanted to make, just for sharing my story, I was losing my life again. Until I remembered this verse, Mark 8:36. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? I was losing my soul all over again, even going through the shooting. Until about a year and a half after, there was one night where I just broke down. I said, Lord, I don't want to fight with you anymore about these temptations and struggles. They're not going away. Even after going through the shooting, they're not going away. What's going on? But I don't want to fight with you anymore. I know that I need you in my life. I know that you rescued me from this shooting. I could be out here testifying, sharing to the world what you've done with me, but I'm here still living a, a hot mess life. Now it was worse. Now it was lukewarm. Living in the church and outside the church. Now I was worse than before the shooting. I said, Lord, what's going on? I can't let this happen. I got on my knees and I said, Lord, I am done. That's it. I surrender to you, God. I give you my temptations. I give you my battles. I give you my struggles. But not only that. I give you my whole heart. 
I give you everything of me. I give you my whole life. And at that moment, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and he said, Angel, that was all he wanted. He wanted you to give him all of you, not just bits and pieces. The Lord didn't want just my sexuality. He wanted everything of me. There was more in my life that he needed to restore. He said, Angel, even if you weren't gay, your life was still a hot mess. I wanted to restore everything of you, not just that part. Because we all tend to focus on that sexuality part, make it the biggest thing in life when there's more going on. There's more going on. And that's why I love to speak on compassion and to feel and care for people and open up to people because we can know and learn what else is going on in their life. What has led them to being this way today? There's more going on. And at that moment, my life changed. At that moment, my life changed. And he said, Angel, now share. Share what I have done with you. And I was scared. I, I became this face of the shooting. I became this advocate for the gay lifestyle. I became an activist without wanting to. I, I became all of those. And I said, Lord, I don't know if I'm ready. I don't know if I can. I'm scared. I'm going to lose everything. And he said, in order for you to enter into a, a new level in me, you need to share. And I said, okay, Lord, I will do that. I remember I shared with Charisma Magazine my first article where I shared my whole story. What happened to me that night and leaving the LGBT lifestyle. At the moment that was posted, everything changed. The world turned their back on me completely. I lost it all. The friends, the family that I made, the events, the income, all the offers, the offer for a movie left, the offer for my own reality TV show, they took it away. It got to the point where I couldn't afford rent anymore. I had to move in with my sister. But let me tell you this. This was one of the hardest seasons in my life, but one of the best seasons in my life. I was able to really, truly understand what it was to know Jesus, to know that he is my provider, to really put my faith in him. I was able to know that I don't need anything in this world. I only needed him. Even though I lost it all, I gained it all eternally. I gained it all eternally. That was the best decision I ever made in my life. And at that moment, my life changed completely. I began to get these revelations of what true freedom was. I was so stuck in, in, in what I thought freedom was. Because I was taught before where freedom is that you're not going to feel these temptations anymore. There's no struggles. There's no battles. You're good to go. You're perfect. That is not true. That is not true. Freedom is when temptations, battles, struggles come your way. And you can look at it in the eye and say, I don't want you. I want Jesus. That is true freedom, church. 
That is true freedom. Just because you're being tempted, just because there's struggles going on, doesn't mean that the Lord cannot set you free. It doesn't mean that there's no freedom in your life. It is a lie of the devil that you think that you cannot be free just because you're getting temptations and battles and struggles. That is not true. And you can put picture number six. That's when this new angel started to live, testifying to the world, to the nations of what God has done in my life. And it's not just me. There's another post survivor, my ministry partner, Luis Ruiz, a survivor, a PK that was in the lifestyle. Now we work together and we share that there is freedom in Jesus Christ. There is freedom in Jesus Christ. And we could put the last picture. I'm finishing up. If the worship team can come up. That's what we do. We are fearless in our identity. We are not scared. Us sharing and getting backlash and persecution and all that has has us entering into a new level of boldness where I don't care where it is. I can step into any room and share what God has done in my life. People need freedom. People need boldness. People need to know that God has set you free, not just from homosexuality, but from alcohol, from drugs, from prostitution, from anything. Don't be ashamed of your story. Don't be ashamed of your story. God does not leave your side. It's us. It's us. But I get it. The shame and the guilt gets us a lot. Brings us down. The enemy puts things in our head and he tells us, you're not going to be forgiven. You can't be free. That is a lie. You can be free. And if today you're struggling and you're battling and you're saying, Lord, I am ready. I am ready. He will set you free. He will set you free and he's ready to welcome you back with open arms. He's ready to welcome you back with open arms. And guess what? He's going to forget about your past. He's going to throw it into the sea of forgetfulness. We're the ones who remember our past. It's not him. It's us. But today he's saying, surrender to me. Give it all to me and I will throw it away. He says, I will take care of your baggage. Don't worry about that. When I encountered Jesus, he said, angel, don't worry about your baggage. Don't worry about what you've done. Don't worry about your past. I'll take care of that. I'll take care of all that baggage. He said, I just want you to focus on loving me. He just said, angel, I want you to focus on loving me, on loving my word. Relationship with Jesus, that is the key. That is the key to all of this. That is the key. Yes, resources are great. Books are awesome. I love books. 
but the key is relationship and the Word of God. Every single day, I need to throw myself in that secret place. If I don't, I see the temptation stronger. I see the battles. It still happens today, church. I will be real with you, and I will be raw with you. Temptations do come my way. We need to be real with each other. Let each other know what's going on in our lives. There's no time to lie. There's no time to, to try and cover up our, our things. Our pride is what's making people leave the church. Our pride is what's making people leave the church. Let's be real with each other, guys. Let's have true compassion for each other. Let's care for each other. Let's be there for each other. Don't just say, I love you, brother. No, really love your brother and your sister. Church, if you can stand today.